Welcome to Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Welcome back, everybody. Hallmark right. movies are back. It is five days before Halloween, and here we are discussing our first first Hallmark movie of the season, which actually aired eight days before Halloween, because this is the world we live in. That's right. And and, th- and this is the first weekend of movies, four movies in total. Not not that we were brave enough to do all four movies by any means, as we previewed you, but I feel we picked a winner with Boyfriends of Christmas Past. I, I think in all fairness, I need to start by saying that this was, in fact, an above-average Hallmark movie. And I think that's that, a big claim for Mary, everyone, as you know, our loyal listeners. And I, I attribute that to primarily two factors. Number one, there are, in fact, five boyfriends in Boyfriends of Christmas Past, four of which are past and one of which we'll see. So there, what with there being four, five boyfriends, there's plenty of plots. And I think that the Hallmark movies that bore me least tends to tend to be the ones where there is enough that needs to happen that we're not left with a random filler of a cookie baking scene where they smear icing on each other's noses or some shit like that. Yeah, I have to admit, as you, as our listeners will know, we have some regular uh, segments in the show and they kind of were all a little bit hard this time. I mean, there's some typical Hallmark stuff in there, but not not like I could list 20 bingo moments. It was a bit more atypical. Sure, sure. I mean, what was typical of Hallmark was uh, the dialogue was really bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. dialogue was painfully Hallmark bad. So bad that it, I don't even think the actors were terrible, but like they had a hard time pulling off just how bad the dialogue was. So, so the first reason I think it was better than the average Hallmark movie is because it had more plot. But reason number two, main dude, really hot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Followed by several other decently good-looking guys. There were a lot of good-looking men in this. There, there was one extremely good-looking man, and then a few, like, you know, good runner-ups. There was this delivery guy scene where somebody just, like, you know, he has her... He, he orders gingerbread and coffee to be delivered to her. Hot and, chocolate. Oh, hot chocolate, whatever it was. Of yeah. Course. Of course it was hot chocolate, obviously, Hallmark movie. Mm -hmm. So he orders gingerbread and hot chocolate to be delivered to her, and she opens the door, and there's this super hot dude with, like, hot chocolate and a bag of gingerbread, and I couldn't help but think he was going to be one of the boyfriends because he was hot. Or you just be like, hey, dude, what are you up to? I need somebody to share this with right now. Right, because, like, the... The thing about showing the delivery guy in that scene is it was actually completely unnecessary to show the delivery guy. I don't think he even had a line. Like, it literally could have been, she just, like... he did. It was, Merry Christmas. Oh, there we go. Point is, he was entirely unnecessary. They could have just not shown him and not had an actor do that and just, um, you know, had her walk away and then, you know talk to an invisible delivery man for one line and then come back with the cookies and hot chocolate in her hand and that would have worked fine but they did this for us anyways you know we've always characterized the hallmark guys as two types of guy Mm -hmm. like the suit wearing guy and the henley slash um flannel wearing guy and and they're not necessarily good or bad either one could be both (laughs) 
the one you pick is either you could end up with the suit guy actually, but he has a good heart, or the Henley guy might even be you know the Henley guy is hardly ever bad to be fair. The suit nobody's guy is debatable. Yeah, well, nobody's bad. The suit guy is debatable though often. I haven't seen the like not end up with the Henley flannel guy. I mean, to be fair, in this movie we have a suit guy and a flannel guy, and she ends up with neither. The, this is true. As this is only our third season, I would hate, you know, it'd be amiss to not at least mention that perhaps they are again listening to us because they're getting better. <laughs> Maybe let, let's say any anytime Hallmark improves, it's our doing. Let's go ahead and take we're, credit. We're gonna it. absolutely take credit for you it. know, you take the W where you can get it. So That's shall right. we jump into our summary? Yeah, Mary's gonna k- kick us off with the recap and I'll um jump in with my notes as I see fit. The protagonist is one Lauren, who is single and claims to be pretty happy being single and has a best friend named Nate, who from the beginning, it's pretty clear everybody thinks that she should be getting with. Nate is smoking hot, if I have not made this clear already. Yes. Nate is a looker. Nate is. Thank you, Sarah. So Nate is her best friend opening scene we get them winning christmas game night challenge together with their friends and the friend afterwards makes a comment about like hey you and nate and she's like oh no he's my best friend that would be totally weird we would never get together and that's that so foreshadowing like if they they could do away with some of that stuff to leave us hanging a bit about who they might pick it's not even foreshadowing at that point. Like foreshadowing would be something far more subtle than that. That's basically just like telling us the ending at the beginning. So this man that we're speaking of, according to my app, is called Raymond Ablack. A-B-L-A-C-K. They're obviously right. going to get together. And Lauren has a big thing going on at work. And I actually wrote, I'm going to read to you what I actually wrote in my notes during this scene. Lauren has a big thing at work, comma, unclear what it is, comma, because I zoned out in the boardroom scene. Luckily, it later does become clear what it is because what it is was really not complicated. What it is was there was a bakeware company that wants her company to like pitch an ad campaign to them. And they're having a competition where by Christmas Eve, they all have to have a pitch together for this company and then they'll pick the winning one and it will be their advertising campaign. So Lauren apparently works in marketing. Yeah. And she's obviously, you know, she seems to, from what I could gather in the later scenes, to be fair, I agree with you, Mary, it wasn't very clear from the start. She is usually the winner of said pitches, but she's totally blanking because she knows nothing about baking. Yeah. So she knows nothing about baking, which in and of itself is kind of unusual for a Hallmark heroine, right? Well, yeah, that's true. But she, she, she has some issues because her mother has, is not around anymore. Right, right. So this is also some important backstory is that her mother walked out on her and her dad around Christmas at some point, presumably when Lauren was pretty young. Yes. And her dad is now happily remarried with a very nice lady who he seems to be very much in love with and who Lauren likes and who cooks and bakes very well. I was going to say, who does happen to bake, as yeah. it turns out. As it turns out, who does bake. And um, yes, so Lauren's dad is now living happily ever after. Anyways, her friend at work is someone who works in the quote art department, unquote. 
And I'm going to comment on this later because I don't know what the fuck she does. Yeah, I think that's very, very, it was very wise. When you you messaged me during the show, I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. Like, I'm not saying- And they're a production house. Like they should be, they should know what the art department can contribute. And like, this is not, when I say I don't know what the fuck she does, I don't mean I don't know what an art department does. I mean, I don't know what this particular character does because it sure as fuck is an art. Anyways, wow. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Well, you, you, you missed that what our, our little lovely hot man, Nate, does. Oh yeah, he, he's a social worker. He is a social worker. And this was interesting because usually, well, not usually, because sometimes they like run a Christmas tree farm, I guess. Right. But like he has like the do good job and she right. has the make money job, which is an yeah. interesting dynamic. And uh, they know this because he's like planning some event with the kids at Christmas and they're like wrapping presents and they're doing all this shit together. And she has to come there and help him and all this stuff. And she yeah. does kind of like for someone that's just her friend, which you obviously know is not the case. She does drop a lot of things to go like wrap presents, decorate the tree, yada, yada, yada. That's true. She is, they are extremely close. Best. After this meeting is when the first boyfriend of Christmas past appears to Lauren in a dream. And his name is Tyler. And she actually doesn't even recognize Tyler because Tyler, it turns out, was her high school boyfriend. And he appears to her as still in high school. Yes. And she actually didn't even remember him um she was I, like, I totally would have dated tyler when i was 15 i can tell you right <laughs> he was like on a skateboard i'm yeah. sure he played guitar like that was totally the guy i dated in high school yeah so tyler is clearly the jacob marley of this situation and he's so, laying out the framework for what's about to happen exactly he's laying out the framework and telling her that she will between now and christmas eve be visited by three different ghosts of boyfriends past and that she will, from this, be given the opportunity to recognize a pattern in her behavior and to change her ways before it is too late. Before it is too late. Ooh, so too was late that like just con- confined to spinsterhood and 12 cats for the rest of eternity? I guess we'll find out, won't That's we? That's right. That's right. So the next ex to appear in a dream to her I'm fast forwarding to when the next ex appears and dream to her because I don't recall that anything interesting happens in between. She, she, there's a bit of conversation around I had this crazy dream and that right. kind of happens every night, but nothing. And she, she always ends up poignant. Googling them and being like, oh, it turns out that Tyler is you know, married like, and he has, married a kid. And has kids and yeah. he's definitely not in high school anymore. He probably doesn't skateboard anymore. Like this is really weird. So she definitely can Tyler. say these have to be dreams because his life right. is not as he appeared in my life. Right. And like, of course, he wouldn't be 15 or whatever when he appears. No. In life. So the first boyfriend of Christmas past turns out to be Jake, who when we did our preview episode, he was the one who we called Mr. Denim because he appeared in Denim doing sort of like, what would you describe them as like shotgun fingers? Like, yeah. You know, and like, like jumping out of his package. Yeah. He was like jumping out of Christmas package. Which sounds was- dirtier than the photo. Trust me. Yeah, it's a very Hallmark-friendly photo, don't worry. So Mr. Denim, Jake is Mr. Denim, and Jake Denim turns out to be Lauren's college boyfriend, yeah. who she dated for a year, and he played guitar. Yes. And uh, seemed to be extremely into her. After a year, Jake did something unacceptable, and that is that he dropped the L-bomb, and then he invited her home for Christmas. 
and to which she responded by promptly dumping him yeah so jake went bye-bye i liked jake i'm not gonna lie i but like i said again a guy who was fun and awesome and played guitar i totally would have dated him i yeah i would have dated jake in college i would have dated jake in college he was fun then we get to our next visitor henry henry is the second boyfriend of christmas past he was also in the poster and we'd referred to him as suit number two, if you'll recall. Suit number one turned out to be Nate, who I don't think wears a suit in the whole movie, so I don't really know why he was wearing a suit in the poster. But anyways, Henry is a suit wearing type. So yeah. Henry is a suit wearing type. Uh, he clearly has some sort of like high paying just out of college, you know. Making yeah, I was a bit unclear on the time frame, of- but I would agree they were working people because he has yeah. a really lovely apartment. She says that this is her first boyfriend out of college. Oh, now I remember. He was an architect. Yes, he's an architect. Because she, she comments, yeah. We must be in your apartment because it's really classy, mid-century modern. Yeah, exactly. So he shows us the scene of a Christmas party that they seem to have co-hosted at his place. And at some point in this party, he asks her to move in with him. And she says she'll think about it. But we all know what's going to happen is she is going to dump him because he made the same mistake Jake made. And that is to, you know, think that Lauren is a long-term kind of gal, That's which right. clearly she is not. And That's so- right. She's not um, interested in locking it in at all. She's not interested in locking it in. And so we then get a breakup scene on an ice rink. And, and in some, yeah. and I, I can't remember if she did this with Jake, but she definitely did it in the uh, Henry scene. She always goes back to Nate and like complains about her problems. Oh, she did with it with she did it with Jake too. Yeah, after every breakup, she runs to Nate and like and says, "I can't do it. this yeah. because blah, he said he loved me. I can't do this because he wants to move in and I'm not ready." So Nate's yeah. like the the fall guy, obviously every time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And he was by far the most attractive from the beginning. Absolutely. So then we get yet another boyfriend of Christmas past. I think this one was Sarah's favorite. Oh, he was totally awesome. I like We were this watching guy. this and Sarah texts me and she's like, I would date this guy. <laughs> I would date him now. <laughs> yeah. Well, because this is one of her grown-up boyfriends, right? Yeah. This is not a college boyfriend or whatever. So this is Logan. Logan is an outdoorsy type. Logan is the Mr. Flannel of this movie. And I have to say, I'm not crazy about the way he proposed to her because, spoiler alert, he proposed to her. And of course, we know how she's going to react to being proposed to because this is Lauren we're talking about. And it's around Christmas. And it's around Christmas. So they're doing some sort of like zip line thing at what appears to be some kind of ski resort. I don't know. But what's supposed to happen? Is she supposed to go I, on the I zip thought line? they were in Iceland. I could be wrong. They did go to Iceland at some point. Yeah. So was this during their Iceland trip? I don't know. It might have I can't been. remember. But anyway. So there's someplace snowy and Christmassy and there's a zip line. And they'll come to think of it, it couldn't be Christmas time in Iceland because it was light outside. True. But anyways. A Hallmark I mean, wouldn't have got that right even if they tried though. Excellent point. Anyways, so she's freaking out about getting on the zip line, metaphorical much. She's like, I can't do this. I'm too scared. I just am not ready for this. Like, blah, blah, blah. And he's, you know, trying to talk her down and be like, oh, you have to go on the zip line. It's going to be so great. You have to go on the zip line. And then he's like, okay, here's what. We're... Now, 
and here's where it's kind of like meh to me because I get that this whole like her not wanting to get on the zip line and her him trying to talk her onto the zip line thing is definitely like a metaphor for her feelings. I, I, I get that, I do. But like sometimes a girl just doesn't want to get on a fucking zip line. That's right. And and this girl is never gonna jump into anything. So trying to pull that as a as a metaphor really doesn't even if she does do it, like that's not her. So, anyways, so what he ends up doing to talk her onto the zip line, both literally and metaphorically is he you know says all this stuff about how he's willing to you know take the leap with her and they're starting something new and exciting together and then of course he produces an engagement ring and I don't remember what he says but just imagine the absolute cheesiest hallmark thing that he could possibly say in this situation and that's probably what he said but it gets even worse because Because of what happens next not only does she say no but she kind of does she push him I think, I think he sort of tumbles, but it is definitely like a reactionary, forceful thing. Right. Yeah. So he kind of falls. And luckily, he's already hooked up to the zip line, so he doesn't just free fall, but he kind of like falls down the zip line. Can you imagine if they had him just fall? So, of course, that is how things end between Lauren and Logan. And that was her last boyfriend, and she hasn't seen him since. And she does say something like, she says this to, you know, dream ghost Logan, actually, like, Logan, you do know I actually loved you, right? And I was like, oh, that's sweet. You put oh, yeah, me. and that is kind of, we didn't kind of mention that. There's always the very Christmas Carol concept of the ghost that visited them watching, reenacting, the, right. you know, they're going back in time. And the thing that, when I was calculating all of this, so the thing that happens in Hallmark movies is they're only supposed to ever be like 30-ish, maybe? I think sometimes they're older. I think sometimes they're pushing 40. And, and well, I mean, we know they are probably in real life, but like, I never know what their characters are. Yeah. But, but, but I was trying to calculate how she managed to get all these long-term relationships in <laughs> the amount of time that. No, I can see it. Cause even if she's about 30, so Jake was in college. Henry was presumably, let's say the two years after college and right. Logan was relatively recently. Yeah, that's true. But she definitely said she dated Logan for three years, which is how they got to propose okay. the eyes. I mean, that still checks out. Let's say she broke up with Henry when she was 24 right. and got with Logan at 25. Yeah, she could still, still be possible. 30 now. You're yeah, right. you're right. So then so, what happens? So then what happens is all four ghosts, Tyler, Jake, Henry, and Logan are talking to her and telling her that she has to notice the patterns in her behavior. And the pattern, of course, she notices with their help is that she dumped all three of them at Christmas time and when they started to get serious. And it did not take a genius to figure this out. This was definitely going to be the pattern from the first time we saw like the first ghost. We knew this. And the other thing they want her to notice is that Nate was her fall guy all those times, that Nate was the guy she ran to. So she realizes that the reason she's freaked out about commitment around Christmas time is that's when her mom ran out on her and it's trauma or something like that. Then they say, we have to show you one more thing. And then they show her Nate at this fancy restaurant that he had asked her to go to. By now, by the way, Nate has confessed his feelings to her at some point. I forget exactly when that happened, but he basically tried to do it about four times and she kept like pushing him away. And then he finally was like, I'm in love with you. And she was like, oh no. And like, blah, blah, blah. Nate's in love with her. We know this by now. Nate has also been having the most minor flirtations with this woman who comes to volunteer at the community center. 
when I say the most minor of flirtations, I mean that like she shows interest in him and gave him her number, but he is not really, you know, shown much other than politeness towards her. Correct. And her, Lauren, and her, keeps, her name's Lily. And Lauren I was going to say, Lily, that's all I was going to say. Yeah, and Lauren keeps being like, oh yeah, Lily, you should take her out, whatever. Well, what happens in this Ghost of Christmas future type scene is we see Nate and Lily at a restaurant together. And it is the same restaurant that Nate had asked Lauren to go to with him. And she'd said no on the grounds that it was a romantic place and they're just friends and she didn't want to do romantic things with him. So here Uh he is with Lily at this restaurant proposing. And when he proposes, he says, you're my best friend. And she's like, no, I'm your best friend. Nate's in love with me. And so anyways, so this is the future, right? This is what will happen if she doesn't act now. So in the meantime, what has happened? In the meantime, she has come up with this excellent idea for her bakeware pitch. The bakeware pitch is bake your heart out. That's what it was. Bake your heart out. I was just bake your say. heart There's out. Something with your heart. Yeah. Because so she does have this little out. like touching esque moment with her stepmother, and they yeah. bake together. And she says, "Oh, you never baked with your mom. That's really sad." And blah blah. But I love baking, and we can bake together. So bake your heart out and she's giving this present she won obviously she was the company's pick to pitch this idea to the bakeware company so she's pitching it to the bakeware company and her friend from the art department gives her this like thumb drive or something and she's like i put all your photos together for your presentation like it's gonna be great okay art department friend made a fucking powerpoint that is it art department friend made a powerpoint with lauren's photos it's it's not anything to write home about from a from a person who has put seen many a, a deck in their lifetime. This was not the most winningest pitch of ever, but apparently it was. I'm wrong. Apparently it was. I've made better PowerPoints than that, like for my students. I'm sorry. It was not that good of a PowerPoint. It was literally just she had pictures of people baking together and having moments together. And there are pictures of her dad and her stepmom. There are pictures of like kids at the community center and then there's this picture of her and nate baking together and so in the middle of her pitch she's like and baking is just you know it's about love or i forget what she says something about how baking and love and like blah 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 and then she's like i'm sorry i have to go and then she just like leaves the pitch and runs to nate's thing at the community center and he's like i feel like she's having like some kind of i could be wrong wasn't there like a bit of like a her seeing him like flashbacky moment kind of yeah yeah it just all comes together it all comes it's just like it's a whirlwind of emotion and she has to walk out of her own pitch, which you know she wouldn't have done, but she did. Well, and also, why did she not have this revelation when she was with the three dudes and seeing the Ghost of Christmas Future scene with him and Lily? Like, I don't know. It just seems to me like, why'd she have to have that revelation twice just to make it more dramatic so that she can actually like walk out of her job for this and guy? And jeopardize her pitch at the same time. Like, right. This is the thing where I felt like, and I'm sure we're going to just a bit more too, that the whole pitch thing was entirely unnecessary. The whole Ex- pitch thing was entirely unnecessary, but it was exceedingly hallmark. Yeah, because just to show us she has a job or something, but like it didn't need to, we didn't even need to see, like we could just say she does marketing and then we don't care that she has, like this is not, we don't need to lose the pitch for the purpose of love. No, and it's just such a hallmark thing to have, like the trope of, here is a career woman who is too focused on her career and she is overlooking love. And then at the end, she will somehow learn to put love first. And it was just really unconvincing in this case and played out and whatever. 
So she so runs she out of the pitch. The pitch. That's right. Obviously, much to our dismay. Much to our dismay. She leaves the pitch and she goes to Nate's Christmas thing for like the kids at the community center and whatever and tells him that she loves him and they kiss and they're in love. And then we get a one year later scene where he proposes to her at Christmas in front and of her whole says, family. And she says, yes. She says, yes. So the she spell commits is broken. at Christmas. That's she commits right. at Christmas. The spell is broken. Now, I was bothered by that proposal scene because I feel like you don't do it in front of the chick's family because, like, it's a lot of pressure. What if she wanted to well, say what no? What if she says no? There should be no public proposals. So you can tell that to any future people that might propose to me, mate. Well, and I feel like the proposal in front of her family is actually worse than a sort of, like, baseball game scoreboard public proposal sort of thing. It's actually worse than the people who do it with like a skywriter or whatever. No huh. offense if you are listening to us and you if that, exactly if that's what you're into. It's with a baseball score, you know, scoreboard or whatever. Just, you know, just some not people are into that. But especially given her sort of runaway bride history, it felt like he needed to like get witnesses to like trap her into saying yes. And it was kind of like, you don't need to do that, Nate. You're smoking hot. But whatever. Nate clearly has a heart of gold. Yep. And he's a good guy, and they're clearly in love, and they've been best friends forever, and, and they're, they're going to live happily ever happily after. Ever. And then, like, roll to credits. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. Okay, we have a few regular segments for our potential new listeners this season. The first one that is called our Hallmark Christmas Bingo Moment, which is in previous years, my family has been well known for creating new Christmas bingo cards the cheesiest christmas moments of hallmark brought to you by snowflakes hot chocolate bonfires men that look like santa and single mothers everywhere so they're all typical things that could appear on a hallmark christmas bingo card which you can play with as a drinking game and eating chocolate game whatever you like so for me there was a christmas baking moment as we spoke about when she bakes with her stepmother, which is a very different story. So I actually give Hallmark some credit for that, that this is like an atypical family situation of baking. But the thing I thought was kind of silly, and I wanted to ask you what you thought about this, Mary, is they talk about they're baking these like some kind of Korean bunt cakes. And there's a relatively famous chain of bunt cake shops in this country called Nothing Bunt Cakes. And so the bunt cake itself has been like reinvented by this shop called Nothing Bunt Cakes. And so it's literally only bunt cakes. And so, but when I looked at this bunt cake and to me, now granted, I haven't ever seen like an individual bunt cake. I've seen like the great big one that my grandma used to make and you like cut a slice out of it and you eat the bunt cake. They have like these little individual bunt cakes. And I looked, took one look at those bunt cakes they made together and I was like, that's a donut. It just looked like a donut. It didn't look like a bunt cake, but maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just being too critical. I don't, I wasn't paying any attention to what they were baking, honestly. I think because I'm so bored with Hallmark baking scenes. I know. You can always walk baking away and, and come back. Out. Yeah. Like, and usually there's like some montage and they throw a flower at each other. But, you know. I mean, it was kind of cool that whatever they were baking, in, you know, they made reference to it being a traditional Korean thing. I can't remember what it was they said about it was not the typical you know like decorated sugar cookies it was something that's true know. i should probably give them some credit for that but and i i, I felt a little bit judgy because i was like just call a donut a donut come on 
maybe right. a bun cake for that reason. But yeah, so that was my bingo moment. What about you, May? My bingo moment was the fact that at the end she has a relationship talk with her dad. Oh. This is one of those things that only happens in Hallmark movies where you have a woman at the end who's like in crisis because she knows the man she loves. And for some reason she can't tell him that he loves, that she loves him and she doesn't know what to do. And so she like pours her heart out to her dad who tells her to like follow her heart or something. And how many of us have that conversation with our dads? I don't know. No. Yeah. I mean, I love my dad. I had a great relationship with my dad. I I didn't talk about my boyfriends with my dad. I don't talk about my boyfriends with either of my parents. No. Yeah. I, I don't think that like heart to hearts about your love life are things that like most women do with their parents, you know, as demonstrated by the fact that my mother called my boyfriend who would eventually become my husband by a fictional name for like the first year of our relationship because for part of that year I wouldn't tell her his real name then after that just stuck and she just kept calling him that I would have loved it if he like appeared in your mom's Christmas letter Mary has a new (laughs) boyfriend we don't know his name but I think it's Henry McDougall hashtag relatable with Hallmark top What about relatable? I actually had two relatable moments, believe Whoa. it or not. Unusual, yeah. One is just the fact that Lauren can't bake. And I appreciate that. And I actually can bake a few things. I make she a very good She can't cook, time. full stop. Like no, that. She can't cook. She can't cook or bake. Yeah. And I, I respect that. Like, I can cook mm-hmm. a few things. I make a mean lasagna. I can bake a few things. I bake a mean pumpkin pie. However, neither of these are my passions. If I never had to do either again, I would not. That would be okay. (laughs) Yeah, like that would be okay. Actually, currently, my husband does most of the cooking lately. And that is fine and good with me. Right. That's good. What else? What's your usual for a Hallmark moment? My other relatable moment was with art department friend. Art department friend throughout the movie is talking about how intimidated she is by her in-laws who are coming for Christmas and how she needs to like make Christmas up to their standards. My mother-in-law is literally a colonel, so I can relate to the intimidating in-laws thing. But I have to admit, I do love that our department friend was so impactful on you that you can't remember her name. I can't remember her name. (laughs) Our department friend who doesn't do art makes PowerPoints and has intimidating in-laws coming for Christmas. Okay, well, I kind of struggled with the relatable. However, I should have probably related to a few more things. There is one thing that's not exactly relatable, but something that I appreciated, shall we say. And then, but my relatable moment, I I put, I actually wrote Digi Snow because I now live in Florida. (laughs) And uh, my whole Christmas time down here, this is the only Christmas ever. I'm sticking by that. I'm touching wood. I don't think I'm going to be here forever. But I will have to have a digi snow kind of Christmas this year because I, it won't be the same. So that's one thing. But then one thing that I actually wanted to mention is that as as some people know who have listened to this podcast in the past, I tend to be a fan of the, it's a wonderful life Dickens style where you get a glimpse into what your life would have been like. And I could say it's not relatable because it totally would never happen. But 
if anybody said to me, would you like to go back and see what would happen to your life if you did this instead, or you picked this guy instead or whatever, I would be the first one to say yes. So that's probably another thing that, that that's why I love these movies. Cause if I got to have that pair that chance, if I knew that if I had only said to that guy, I really like you, he wouldn't have married that other girl. That would be life-changing. So I would love someone invent that actual ability to travel in time and change your life. That would be really helpful for me. Thank you very much. All right. So for rewriting this one, like I said, it's an above average Hallmark movie. And I don't feel like we need to add, say, you know, a ghost story, something to make it better because there kind of already is a ghost story. Yeah. And, and we are going to 100% give a little bit of props to Hallmark on this one for getting it a bit better than usual. However, what we both didn't like was the pitch subplot. This whole pitch she has to do at work that's boring and she just, you know, is in a lot of boardroom meetings where she's praised for being so great and it's boring and who cares? Yeah, and, and, then she and, leaves and that whole again, like... plot is dull from the beginning. So yeah. we, and not, we think... I would go so far to say, did we need her to be doing anything like that, except to show that she is gainfully employed and not just sitting around waiting for her friend to call her to help out at the community center. And I'm not opposed to there being another subplot though, because like I said, I think one of the reasons this was an above average Hallmark movie is because there was enough plot to fill the two hours. Mm -hmm. And I think that Hallmark movies suffer when there's not, and they just end up you yeah, know. you you like that one with Chad Michael Murray where you like yeah. all the all the subplots too. Yeah, there was one that had like three or four different romances in it that was one of the not bad ones. And so again, I think the fact that there was enough plot in this one is a strong point. So we should put something in there. But instead of having her be in marketing, let's think of the least hallmarky profession possible and have a subplot related to that. <laughs> so, so what is the least hallmark profession possible? Maybe she's the undertaker. Oh shit! Oh, kind of like that. Our, our that friend reminds me of that Joel musical. New. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was really cute. That was cool. The one where what was it called again? Was it Undertaking Christmas? Good call, Mary. You got it. It was Undertaking Christmas. Yeah, that was really cute. And what was fun about that idea was precisely that, like, he found the least hallmark profession possible and made a hallmark Christmas movie out of it. So let's find the second least Hallmark profession. I know. Sorry, Joel. I won't take your, your idea because we did really enjoy your show last year. We loved having it on our show. You know, Hallmark will want her to be either something really down home or something really, you know, brain power. But I mean, I think that's exactly why it's a good non-Hallmark job. You know, bartender is another thing we're unlikely to see in a Hallmark movie, though we True. might. But maybe even less Hallmark than bartender would be drug dealer. Ooh. Marijuana so, grower? Yeah, Farmer? I mean, and what's funny about this is that's, I think this is actually the least Hallmark profession we've thought of. Sometimes. Well, okay, so the thing about her running like a dispensary or something is that this is a very un-Hallmark profession. That, however, as this becomes more legal in more states and more mainstream, we could in 10 years time see a Hallmark character running a dispensary as they try to stay like hashtag relevant. This is true. And it could be, in fact, one would say that's very entrepreneurial of her. Like maybe she's going to develop like the new Marlboro of marijuana. And right. And so now rich. 
and so now we've got something that's too hallmarky like we've kind of come full circle with this like she could be a drug dealer in a a very very good yeah in in a very hallmark friendly way so i don't know you could have like a new kind of like christmas plant that like is particular for the christmas (laughs) season do they call it flavors i don't know oh yeah 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 Okay. You could get like the the hot chocolate flavor and the like peppermint <laughs> flavor and like you know all these kind of Christmas miracle flavors that were just and to be fair, whenever I go into the dispensary and and the times I've been in the you know total recreational legal states, of course, they're like, oh, would you like this pineapple one or strawberry one? And I'm like, just because I'm a girl, I don't need it to not taste like pot. It's fine. It can taste like marijuana. <laughs> But they just immediately assume. So may- maybe our girl is like, I need to make the pot for girls. That's not going to make them feel like a girl. I'm going to make them feel like Christmas and pot. Okay, Christmas so- and pot town. That's what the movie's going to be called. Oh my God, you're right. I can't believe this has been in front of us the whole time and we just didn't even see we it. No, Christmas we didn't even and see pot it. town. I mean, boyfriends of Christmas past in, in pot town, I guess. That's right. The, the segue between the ghosts is always like a smoky haze. I also feel like Tyler, as is, oh. was probably a pot smoker. Oh, like, yes, just, he definitely was, which is why I totally... Just like a long-haired, like, white teenager with a skateboard. So, you know, let's keep the boyfriends of Christmas past, but just instead of her, like, pitching a slogan for bakeware, she's finding out whether... Yankee Candle type Christmas scents also work as pot flavors. I like it. And, and there it, could just be like some comic relief in there. That's right. It's very um and she I think maybe she has like some kind of personal connection to how she got into this line of work, I would say. Like she's, <laughs> she's no, but she started with like Maybe her dad or her stepmom was like experiencing some extreme pain, like from, you know, and, and she, I don't know, or they had some anxiety or something and they first got a medicinal thing for them, excuse her cancer or whatever. And then she's like, actually, this is really helpful for everyone. And she's like on a massive campaign to like, at least make medicinal the future. And so, you know, your typical christmas candle scents would include what there, there would be like an evergreen scent i don't know would that work as a flavor or not i i don't know i, I don't i don't actually smoke well, pot. maybe i, don't actually know I mean works. it would it would smell nice i don't know if it would taste nice i am sure okay but some of the like baked good scents oh yeah probably, yeah you yeah, can have you could, gingerbread you could have a gingerbread one you could have a cinnamon one you could have a yeah. sugar cookie one yeah you could probably actually just put it in sugar cookies and that would work as well that's true maybe she makes pot baked goods Oh yeah, she could with, do that. With her stepmom. That could be another thing they're doing. Yeah. And so they're they're experimenting with both baked goods and and flavors. Just, you yeah, know, like just trying it out and see what's out there. And yeah, you know, um, such as does like Christmas cranberry yeah. make a good flavor? Like I don't know. Maybe it sure. does. It makes a fine Yankee candle. I, I don't know. Is Christmas cranberry actually a Yankee candle or am I making it? Probably. That up? Probably. I'm sure it is. I've gotten very into, I I use a wax melter instead of burning candles. And so I buy the little, you know, like wax melts to put in the wax melter and fill my house with like seasonally appropriate scents. Yes. 
And I love how some of them, the scents are just batshit crazy things that shouldn't actually smell like anything, but you're just like, oh, that smells nice. I'll take two. I'm a big user of Bath and Body Works candles, and I can tell you my favorite scent is called, no idea what this would smell like, but it was great. And it's called Midnight Blue Citrus. Midnight Blue, see that's, I mean, at least you know it's citrusy, but like what, what is midnight about it? And what is blue about exactly. it? Exactly. It you might, know, or maybe it's here. midnight citrus blue. So it's something like that. And it's amazing. And I've even had men walk into my house and go, oh my God, what does that smell? Cozy cabin escape. And I think it smells vaguely like, hmm. Flannel and Hallmark? Flannel and like slightly burnt marshmallows. Oh, that's a very good description. Autumn wreath. Oh yeah, that's a good kind of description. Yeah, autumn wreath. You know, I think it smells kind of pumpkin spicy. Interestingly, mm. I also have one called Spiced Pumpkin that I tried out for the first time the other night, and it does not smell pumpkin spicy. It smells kind of. My husband thought it smelled like bubble yum. Oh, but you know, whatever. Then I've got one here called Cliffside Sunrise. Like, what's that supposed to smell like? I, I don't know. I think it smells like. I, I would say it smells like maybe like some blooming wildflowers or something yeah that that i think that is what it is it's some kind of a floral but again that's a thing that doesn't actually smell it like doesn't something exist. you don't go out to the sunrise and smell it they have some good ones on uh, my bath and body works that's where i get all my candles from let's see there's a scent called christmas eve oh god i ordered that one hold on let, i can go get it and tell you what it smells like we got one called cookies Visanta. Frosted cranberry, because that's what I think of when I think of cranberries, that I need to frost them. Uh, I do like, they oh, have sorry. one called fresh balsam that I really like. That's a good one. Okay, yeah, that's, well, I always like sort of like pine scented things for Christmas. Okay, Christmas Eve smells like red fruits. That's the only way, only way right. I can describe it. I think it's a mix of berries or something. I don't know. There's one called Magical Frosted Forest. Um, yeah. Which that's... this one is kind of pine scented. That works. Mistletoe. Let's see. What does mistletoe actually smell like? They don't, doesn't mistletoe not smell? I mean, it probably shouldn't. I think this one's also vaguely pine scented, though. It works. Whatever. Midsummer's Night is another one I have here. Midsummer's Night. Let's see. Is that like honeydew or something? I don't know. That's oh, it's I kind guess. of sultry smelling. I'm not sure how Ooh. to describe that. Whoa, what does that mean? I don't know. I think, I feel like this is a mood scent, if that makes sense. Right. Okay. This is one I feel like I need to buy you, Mary. It's called The Perfect Christmas. Oh, nice. I, I wonder like what the perfect Both Christmas of us need like. that candle or, or else we will not have The Perfect Christmas. We would That's have true. had to have given it to the friend, actually, because it would have helped her with her luck. It's true. So, I mean, I think we could definitely have something where... Lauren is being inspired by candle scents in her work. And this could be like an ongoing thing where she and her, you know, instead of her art department friend, it can be another coworker friend, but they're like going through candle scents and being like, could this be a flavor? Like, could we reproduce this? Yeah, I think that's a good concept. And I, I think the baking scene is rewritten a bit to like literally be, hey, yeah. stepmom, hook me up. Like, Teach me your ways, because I had this great idea that I'm going to bake baked goods to help people with cancer. And I think at the end, they should come up with like the perfect flavor that should be something really ridiculous. That's one of those things like, you know, Christmas Eve, that's not actually a scent or a flavor. 
you just like associate like positive things with it right. and it should be something like like the yeah. star of bethlehem yeah like star bethlehem flavor or something like yeah. that or three wise snowflake. men snowflake snowflakes don't actually taste or smell like anything yeah it's water but, but they would make like a snowflake flavor yeah. yeah exactly and i i actually would go a little bit farther to say that that this person that she wants to like help particularly is some person in the social work scene that nate works with oh, okay so she's yeah. gonna use like her powers of healing with pot to help this person who's suffering that nate knows and it's not a kid i don't that's too much for me i can't have a kid dying no no but it could be a very old person person, for instance yeah very old very old person who is suffering but because Um, this is hallmark it'll also be like an entrepreneurial venture venture right it'll be super yeah yeah so she's got her like little christmas pot surprise cakes and uh they're gonna use her business to help his and it's still going to be great and And then in the end they're all going to enjoy a snowflake flavored joint or something and maybe that's when he proposes when it's just her and him and they have this they're having this this joint moment and again i don't i don't know how this works because i don't actually smoke pot but would it be a contributing factor in her having these weird ass dreams about her ex-boyfriends well depending on how much and what kind Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not like a hallucinogen, no. but I, I don't know. I feel like, you know. But she could pass out and have some vivid dreams. That's, sure. that's possible. So it's like a marijuana haze. But but we wouldn't also, we would definitely not want the movie to like imply that marijuana is making her not so, like, this is this is the, the path to marijuana good. It's making her, you know, contemplative and like look back on her life. And yeah. that's why. the so, Yes, yeah, she's educating her herself through marijuana. yeah exactly and so it's kind of the same plot except instead of a boring ass marketing pitch they're coming up with like a yankee candle pot flavor i love it that is good sarah wait there's one thing we forgot to do what's that we kind of invented a new segment last time where we have to see if our predictions about this movie were correct oh yes let me get back to my notes here i did say that this movie was going to be old boyfriends flashback christmas carol style movie that's right and i thought they would all be you know in the same place in real time so you win that one but i said she was gonna pick the denim guy because he was her next door neighbor and i predicted suit number one who actually turned out to be nate so i get the point on that one i did say that it was he would be the guy that she always overlooked which was yes, not the and guy. he would be like the guy next door friend type. Yes, so, yeah. so you were so right about that. I said there would be a Dickens quote and I don't know if there was. No, I, I, I didn't catch one, but. You said there was going to be a tree lighting and romantic yeah. tension. I mean, no, there was a tree lighting. Was there he, a tree pr- lighting? he pressed the red button on the tree at the. Oh my gosh. At the, at the community center. I get the tree lighting point. But then I have to admit, then he said, okay, I'll see you guys tomorrow night for the real thing. And I don't remember if they had a tree lighting at the real thing, oh, well. but, they, but they did it. So I'll give you that. Relatable. I said the relatable thing was that the mom was going to judge all her boyfriends. There was no mom to no, judge anything. There's no mom, yeah. And you said she's going to say something embarrassing. Which she doesn't really. I mean, like her life decisions are a little bit like embarrassing in some ways, but like um but she doesn't really have an embarrassing moment so I don't think either of us get that point 
No, but, that, but I that's think- pretty good. We did. I would say between the two of us, we came up with enough things that were correct. And I think we came out about even because you get the point for the Dickens plot line and you get the point for the best friend guy. And I get the point for Nate being suit number one yeah. and the point for the tree lighting. So tree lighting. Yeah, I, totally I think even. I think we're tied right now. That's correct. All right. So next week, we've already decided that we're going to watch Christmas in Harmony. Mm-hmm. And we will recap what we said they're going to be about. So we can do that next week. But um, I just thought I'd give a look. What else is showing next weekend? just to have some fun guesses about what they might be about. Oh, I got the hiccups. Next weekend we have Coyote Creek Christmas, Christmas Sale, S-A-I-L, and The Christmas Promise. All right, let's guess what Christmas Sale is about, S-A-I-L. The poster, of course, has a boat on it, I believe. Oh yeah, there's definitely gonna be a boat. And the poster has like people walking the plank. Are they gonna be like, okay, what I really want to happen with Christmas sale, I think they're like travel influencers who are like documenting their Christmas sailing trip or something. And along the way are going to find true love. Maybe I think this is about like you got to decorate your sailboat to the best possible ability competition. Oh, that could be. That could be. And it's so Um, it's in a place where it's a bit warmer at Christmas, not warm all the time per se. But they there's like a boat parade of sailboats, and you got to like have the best decorated Christmas boat theme. And they are going to all argue about it. But then through some magic of love, they'll figure out what the theme should be and they will get it right and they will win. And it'll probably be Christmas around the world. The theme that they decide on because they're going to. It's going to be inclusive. Right. And they'll sail around the world or something. And Hallmark will include some sort of kitsch of Christmas from a few different continents. Yes. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be new. Mm Mm-hmm. So Christmas around the world, they could certainly come up with like, there would be some sort of kitsch thing they'd do with the boat where it would be like different versions of Santa Claus from different countries who oh, would all, that's they good. would all be in like gnome form or like gargoyle form on the boat. And that's how they end up decorating their boat is there's like a little, little tiny you know, Santa's everywhere. Yeah. Here's little Russian Santa Claus. Here's, you know, a little Santa Claus from where, you know, whatever. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Well, one thing we will know for certain is they, they will, will fall, fall in, love. in love. Very nice. Thank you for listening to Hallmark Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at hallmarkedup, and on Facebook at hallmarkedup with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts.